The purpose of Retire with Style is to help you discover the retirement income plan that is right for you. The first step is to discover your retirement income personality. Start by going to resaprofile.com style and sign up to take the industry's first financial personality tool for retirement planning. Why be Jar Jar Binks when you can be Rhoda the Hut? Tune in for Six Degrees of Wade Fowl. Hi, welcome to another episode of Retire with Style. I'm Wade, and I'm joined with Alex. And today we have another very special guest. <laughs> and we have Tamago Tolan. Tamago, take it away. Hi, um, thank you for having me. So I'm the head of Lifetime Income Strategy and Market Intelligence at TIAA. Um, some people know me as the Annuity Yoda. And so I'm basically supporting a lot of different parts of our business. Um, you know, focusing on lifetime income. That's We are the leader in lifetime income. And, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we get the word out. So I, I wanted to lead with this question and, and well... Let me do this, and then I'll, I'll give it a little bit more time to breathe. But if you're the annuity Yoda, what is Wade from a Star Wars oh. character? <laughs> I could be mean and say he's Jar Jar Banks. <laughs> or baby Yoda. Hey, man. <laughs> you set him up. You set him up. No. Oh, am I gonna, I'm going to get emails about this, by the way. You, you have no idea the, the Wade fandom that's out there, but that's fine. No, I, Bring it I, on. You know, I love Wade. There, there, are, there are theories that Jar Jar actually uses the Force. So just saying. Really? That was definitely not an insult now. Um, Wade, which, which – well, what's the answer uh, there? <laughs> gosh, it – you know, he's got to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think okay. yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, that's pretty good. That's <laughs> pretty good. I thought you were, were going to go for something tough like Boba Fett or something like that. But Obi-Wan, that's a good one. Have, have you met Wade? He's not Boba Fett. Right. <laughs> no, I know. But, you know, in his mind and in my mind, <laughs> maybe. Wait, what do you think? Do you agree oh, with that, that one? more Han Solo. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. No, no, no. Uh, and thank you for joining us, Tamako. What One of the reasons we, we wanted to bring Tamako on, if you notice over the last few weeks, we've been interviewing some key folks within the industry that are really trying to bring retirement income solutions to the forefront to consumers. And and one of the themes we've been having here, Tamako, is I, I'm not, we're not sure that folks realize that there's a lot of great people and, and you're front and center in that list that are really doing good for consumers. And, and I just wanted to bring that story out. Wade and I wanted to bring that story out because it, it's one that really, you know, deserves to be told. And uh, if you don't mind, I'd love to hear your your sort of trajectory, how you got to where you are right now. Because another thing that I think is, is probably food for another podcast is, you know, I, I think you're one of the trailblazers within the industry in, in terms of getting getting this message out. And, and you know, again, it just deserves mentioning. So fire away, if you, if you will. Like, you know, how did you get to where you were and what sort of reoccurring theme did you have to kind of push you along the way? 
Thanks, Alex. Um, so, you know, I started as a trade reporter originally at Annuity Market News and eventually got more into sort of consulting and more like product management um, for, you know, providing information about annuities, really focusing on the variable side. Um, but I wrote reports and I actually wrote a report on in-plane guarantees back in 2012. So that was my original foray into the 401k space with lifetime income. And frankly, you know, not, not a ton has really happened in the interim. We thought we were right on the precipice of this big explosion, but it just took a lot longer than expected. Um, and in the meantime, I continue to work on annuities, the value of annuities and accumulation and for lifetime income. I uh, did some really fascinating work while I was at Canex, learned a lot more about like the analysis and the quantitative components. Uh, and I never worked for a manufacturer, an asset manager or an insurer. And this opportunity came for me to join TIAA and to really be part of that forefront, especially at this juncture when we are actually on the precipice. I mean, I, I'm not sure that it's going to be like an absolute explosion, but we really see so much more activity and interest and productive, very constructive work in getting the word out and really implementing lifetime income for more American workers. No, that's 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 fantastic. And what did you find? Just because, uh, you know, being a, a writer, you're, you're always trying to find hooks, right? So before you got to this pre-Cambrian, pre-Cambrian explosion, if you will, uh, of retirement income right now, what what was the biggest hurdle you found just trying to get folks reading your articles? You know, whenever you mention the word annuity, like then, you know, how, how did that how did that kind of work out in terms of, you know, making it interesting for consumers? Well, my focus has probably more been really on the distribution layer, so not directed at consumers. I have done some writing around that personally. I mean, not personally, but, you know, in my professional life before joining here. And, you know, I have to say that you, you have to understand the difference between those folks that are really already on board and that are just, you know, excited that you're talking about it. And then those folks that you're trying to win over and say, hey, let me explain this to you in a different way. Right. And that's one of the things I've really focused on is trying to figure out, uh, you know, what is what is that message? How do we need to frame it? And frankly, I'll, you know, I think a lot of this aligns with a lot of the work that you have done um, around understanding the difference between those folks that look at the lifetime income and the insurance component of that. Right. That this is really a risk management um, element versus really like a total return portfolio and, and thinking of annuities as part of the investments, right? And I think that there's been this real tension between those two ways of looking at annuities. And to some extent, I think, you know, that we've really been trying to force a certain set of folks to see it in a particular way, right? And say, no, no, but you need to understand this perspective of how annuities work and particularly uh, for lifetime income and they improve outcomes. And, you know, this is insurance I, and, you know, all, all the things that we talk about. Um, but, you know, frankly, sometimes I think we need to just say, all right, fine, I can talk on your level too and, and look at the annuity as an asset class and think about it that way. And then eventually move towards, now let's understand how this also can help with lifetime income. Yeah, you're talking like you change the gestalt by just doing it through successive approximations. Okay, I'll meet you at your level, and then I'll start 
you know, explaining it more. But I, I think you hit it on the head. And this is where I had my aha moment as well, where, you know, I, I came at, I came from this industry from the asset management side, the investment side of it. And, I, you know, you know, call me guilty as charged kind of thing, right? Where, okay, annuities are expensive investments. But really, that's that's the wrong way of looking at it completely. They're 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 a different product. You said it. They're they're an insurance product, and you can't view them the same way. It's, they're just not you know they're, they're just not comparable in that manner. So I I, I think you're 100 correct. Way yeah, and, and Tamiko, when you're talking about annuities as an asset class, but before the the level of the lifetime income. What exactly are you getting at there? Is it just the optionality of being able to turn on an income or are you thinking more specifically about annuities with structured returns that can really change the conversation around the trade-offs between downside risk and, and the upside market exposure? Or, I, yeah, I've, I'd I've say heard the a number latter. of different people with, okay, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, So like a registered we... index linked annuity or fixed index annuity or... Or even a fixed annuity. I mean, honestly, a fixed annuity, and because that that's what we're you know really emphasizing here is able to give you um, very stable returns, right? That are not equivalent to a bond fund. Um, they're different from a bond fund, but you're not exposed to that same bond volatility. So I have to say that you know telling this story lately has been extremely attractive because people viscerally understand why that is helpful. Right. Um, so that, that's part of how, you know, we're really framing and talking about it as part of the fixed income allocation, just purely for the performance perspective. Right. And yes, you also have the optionality, but the reality is that when you're selling a deferred annuity, that every single person who buys that annuity in how, whatever framework that is, but every single person is able to take advantage of that performance. And some people will elect to actually annuitize and get that income. And you know, we think that that's extremely valuable. We also recognize that not every single person will do it. And it's not necessarily appropriate for everybody to do it. It's not necessarily beneficial. And, and you know, I think you're more aware than anybody, the two of you, like that so much of that is not necessarily about the quantitative component, but about the personal preferences of the investor. That's like, a, I'm now mixing a whole bunch of things into this one sentence. So I'm going to just. No, it's right fine. <laughs> go, go, go. No, look, you're, you're absolutely right. Like people don't optimize on a, their life on an Excel sheet. They optimize it based on, you know, on their hearts, really, at, at the end of the day. So uh, 100%, 100% agree with, with that. Uh, I, I'm just, I, I'm still like, like your title, like head of lifetime income strategy and market intelligence for TIAA. That's a huge that that you know kudos on that, and and I, I, it bears mentioning again because I I think it's it's one of these that you know we're we're very excited to have you on our show. What you know after you take your your morning cold shower, your journal, and your gratitude kind of things, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe maybe you do some meditation. What does a day in the life look like? in your position and you know in, in terms of you you're you're bringing these strategies out into the you know into the public in a manner that 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 scales significantly what I, i'm just curious on a personal level uh, what, what does your day look like like the typical day in the I life do, sure a lot of what i do is really cross-functional and so i'm connecting with other folks internally and bringing to bear my experience professionally my 
understanding of a lot of external components that are not really part of the TIA experience that we're trying to get better at really absorbing. And so that's great because I can bring that outside view inside. That's a large part of what I do. And there are certain other pieces too. Like when you look at the work that I did when I was at Canex, and I worked with a lot of folks with very academic backgrounds, and we would start with an um, basically, I will say, unreadable academic paper um, and have to slog through it and say, what does this mean? And how does this actually apply in real life? And so now, now, you know, trans- why is it unreadable and and how can Michael Finca get better? Oh, <laughs> no, oh that's so mean. That is so mean. No, I, I'm actually talking about math papers. <laughs> no. No. He's the one who 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 gave me the name uh Anudi Yoda. So, you know, he holds a very dear place in my heart. No, he's um, great. I, we kid because we love. <laughs> I know you do too. But you know, really uh, in the the math papers were really difficult to get through. Um, And, you know, I would often conclude the wrong things. So there was quite a a great education for me on the difference between when you read an academic paper, when you're looking at this work and and saying, well, you know, well, what do we do with this in in practice? Um, I often got it wrong. And so I've learned so much humility and a lot of internal discipline and saying, I'm not sure that I really get this right. So you have to really collaborate with folks to make sure you're understanding the work. Um, But then trying to apply that or understanding, well, what are the next steps for research, you know, to help guide maybe what that ought to be. And so don't forget, we have this fantastic resource here with the TIA Institute. And I'm, you know, really looking at collaborating with them to help in different ways of translating the messages of the work coming out of the Institute for, you know, our own organization and, you know, hopefully other audiences as well. What What is the TIA Institute? I say that because we're coming off of an interview with with Jason Fickner over at the Alliance for Lifetime Income where they have, you know, a library of resources. And the theme yeah. there was there's there's just a lot of information that we're that these folks are trying to provide to consumers and to even financial professionals. Could you tell us a little more about the, the, the TIA Institute and what, what the underlying theme is there? Sure. So, you know, it's really, you know, think of it as our research, high-end research department, um, doing really great work across a lot of different topics, frankly, because we do service higher education quite a bit. And so there's a lot of stuff that's specifically in that area, but on other topics really related to retirement. And we're exploring a lot more themes, trying to understand how people are behaving, what their preferences are, um, so we can, you know, hopefully improve what we're doing for our own participants, for, you know, our clients. Um, but we, we also collaborate quite a bit with outside institutions. So that's a key element of what the Institute does. And actually, you know, we are working with Jason on some other stuff. Um, so, you know, this is very much of an interconnected web um, of thought leadership trying to move the needle forward to understand how best to improve people's outcomes in retirement. And when I say that, I do mean lifetime income, but I also mean things other than just lifetime income, but, you know, thought leadership on longevity and, you know, how do perceptions of your own longevity actually affect what you know you might decide or how you might think about your retirement. 
Let's take a moment to let the audience know that this show is sponsored by Retirement Researcher. You can learn more about Retirement Researcher at retirementresearcher.com and subscribe to our newsletter where you'll receive weekly actionable information for your retirement planning benefit. Retirement Researcher is an online community devoted to helping you create the retirement income plan geared towards your goals. No, that's great. Uh, there's a there's a phrase that Jason was using, and I've heard it a couple times. I think John Faustino may have mentioned it. I'm, I'm not sure, but it, it's been coming up. And I'm curious what it means to you because it's it stuck with me. Dignified retirement. Because I, I think that's really what we're all trying to achieve, you know, for for the individuals. What what, what does that mean to you? And and how's that reflected on on the work that you're doing? The, the sort of dignified retirement. Yeah, it's it, that's funny because it's uh, having dignity in retirement is a phrase that I use a lot when I'm talking to folks, right? And you know, it really means empowerment, having the ability to make the choices that are best for you. So it's not about having some deterministic plan of this is how everybody should be retiring, but to give you the tools to say, this is what I, this is what's important to me in retirement. And, and I am able to achieve that. And that's what we're really focused on doing. And we don't work as much with individuals. We work with employers. And it's one of the key reasons that we're moving into the, the corporate 401k space sort of, you know, outside of where we've traditionally lived is to reach even more American workers and to offer that dignity in retirement. And I, I think that's an important issue that we can dive into some more about really what's different inside the employer plan or the, the 401k or the 403b uh, when individuals are, are building up their assets there. Uh, what's the prospects for annuities in that world? And maybe what all has been going on, what all has changed? And uh, that's, I believe, is more your focus these days is really looking at the introduction or adoption of annuities in that space. Yeah, it certainly is. And I, I think the opportunity is really the ability to reach folks who otherwise might not have access to planning. So the difference between, you know, when you think about an individual and you think about a plan is that, you know, we we have this mindset about optimization. And Alex, you were already poo-pooing it earlier, which I really appreciate because, you know, we we think so much about let, let's get the best numbers out of this, right, for a person. And it does make sense, certainly, when you're talking to a specific individual or family to, to do planning, to make decisions and recommendations that fit those particular goals, right? And within a plan, I think people sometimes say, well, how, how can you put an annuity in a plan? Because you're not able to achieve those same planning goals so easily, especially when you're talking about a default, right? But the reality is that we're just trying to give people options and to empower them. And when you're using a default, then you're reaching more people, like I say, especially those who may not otherwise have access to advice. Um, and you're also reaching folks who are, may well be disengaged from the plan. They may not even be aware that they're enrolled or really what, yeah. what they're in. <clears throat> and those are the people who are most in need of help because they're most likely to be at the margins of you know, being able to save for inadequate retirement 
And they need that efficiency of a little bit, you know, the extra income juice that they can get from a retirement or sorry, from an, from an annuity. And in that regard, we've had this transition. I think we've probably talked about on the show before, but just this whole idea that traditionally company pensions were annuities. They were lifetime incomes where the plan sponsor took on the risk about any individual's longevity and and the market risk around the sequence of returns most relevant to each worker in the plan. And since the late 1970s into the early 1980s, we've moved away from that system where most people think of their employer is still called a pension plan, but it's mainly an investment account. And why exactly did we go in that direction? And I, I, do you think it's important that we move back in the direction of having those lifetime income options so that it's not just a, an investment account? Yeah, so the slow demise of the pension is a natural consequence of increasing longevity. So expectations when you know companies were originally offering them were very different as far as how long people were going to live after retirement, right? So it's not shocking that it became very expensive and onerous to the extent that many companies stopped offering them when they could, and you know we continue to see this transition. So the emergence of the four hundred one k is, frankly, accidentally sort of fallen into this place where this particular type of plan is now replacing the pension effectively for so many people, but it wasn't really ever meant to replace it. And so now we're having to kind of retool and say, hey, you know, it does make sense to offer something like a pension, but actually referring back to Michael Finca's work, um, you know, that he's, he's actually done some great stuff around what people's preferences are. And people like annuities, they like lifetime income, but they also want to have other investments. So some diversification, so not just a pension, um, but something that I think that we're really moving towards in the 401k space actually makes a ton of sense, I think, for today's retirees. Well, and and, I mean, if I'm if I'm trying to institute this sort of movement, I, I think it just has to start with TIAA simply because of the the breadth that you have, you know, within this space, especially, you know, in the 403B market and, you know, soon to be 401k. Uh, are there anything in particular you're doing to, to begin to sort of develop beachheads around this? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, to your point, we have traditionally been in 403B, um, traditionally in higher ed, and, you know, we are a record keeper there, a very significant record keeper, but in the 401k space, we don't have the same role. And so our relationships are really different. Um, and a lot of folks don't necessarily know us as well, um, but we we do carry that great tradition and, um, you know, frankly, a fantastic history of providing these guarantees for a long period of time. So I think that that's um, a huge plus for, for us just as an organization going out there, um, you know, we're really trying to be leaders and be involved in things like the Broadridge FI360 Retirement Income Consortium, um, the NAPA effort as well around a curriculum uh, to try to educate folks about this. So we, we want to make sure that we're front and center in kind of the holistic effort and also out there now expanding on those communications and, you know, amplifying them. Um, you know, we, we actually 
our it's not a future 401k business it's a current 401k business so you know we we are we are live and running and um you know very excited to you know do more on this front well a, a couple of just thoughts and i'd love to i don't know if it's one question it's kind of three and three questions but i'll just shoot them out real quick uh, if you don't mind discussing what 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 within the consortium is, is interesting, uh, and then what are the educational kind of pillars, if you will, that you're trying to hit with with Napa that you said, and then within the 401k space, what are you seeing that's maybe different than the 403b, and maybe there's nothing, and if there isn't, I, I'm I'm curious because. I would imagine you've been, you know, TIAA has been around for quite a while. So now a lot of these folks have been retiring. And how is it managing individual accounts versus, you know, within the construct of of a 403B plan? Yeah, okay. So, so a that lot was, there, but I, that, that was a lot of questions. That should so, take us home. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start with the consortium piece. And, you know, the really important work product for 2022 is. Um, you know, this fiduciary framework for um, evaluating and monitoring uh, lifetime income solutions within plans. And so, you know, they're going to be issuing their practices shortly. It's probably by the time anybody listens to this, um, this will be out. And it's a critical foundation to have this third party, like validated work um, that is fundamentally very fiduciary, right? Um, and then the NAPA ed- education is going to, you know, kind of fit into that, but help provide like that basic foundational information. Um, for consumers get, or professionals? For, this is this is for planned fiduciaries. So, you know, mostly okay. advisors, but it could also be sponsors. And, um, and NAPA, that's the, the National Association of Plan Advisors, right? Correct. Correct. And it's part of ARA, uh, the American Retirement Association. So that's one of their like one of their, their subgroups. Um, so, you know, we think that this is really, it's critical for, for people to have a place to go to learn because there are more questions than answers at this point. So anybody who's able to provide that, I think, you know, is, is bringing a lot to, um, to this movement right now. So that's really critical, right? But we need to also help folks kind of take it home Right. And there are some very granular like implementation questions that advisors no, I, really have. Right. I agree. And, and that's and some real- of where I think providers like TA are going to have to help and say, hey, let's get you like all the way there. So you can really also envision that the first step is to see that it's possible to do this. So many advisors um, don't know that much about annuities or think things that are not necessarily true in this case they don't they don't get like how am i supposed to do this so we need to show them how to do it a lot of sponsors are intrigued they're very interested but they don't have a place to go to learn so like i just see um an intense curiosity out there and we need to really feed that curiosity is it is it fair to say that sure you have to know about contractual income you know if you get some sort of certification uh, the RICP, that way, you know, re- director of the curriculum, a CFP, things like that. But then right after they take that certification, they kind of just forget about it, you know, and then they, and they, the annuity's bad and they don't look at it again. And then 10 years go by and, you know, 
they're actually are not very knowledgeable anymore. Is it fair to say that there's a whole, I don't know, a generation would be too strong a word, but there's a whole swath of advisor that are actually quite ill-informed about the benefits of contractual income because they've just drank the the Kool-Aid of total return and, and haven't bothered looking at, at other options. I, I know that's a, I, that could be taken as a, as a kind of a dig, but it is what it is, you know, from, from my vantage point, uh, I don't know. It, what do you okay. think? Are they, is it informed because they just didn't want to know any, they just didn't keep up with the literature kind of thing? Well, Tomiko, first to clarify, when you say advisors, you don't necessarily mean financial advisors, right? Or that maybe to help the audience, what, what is a plan advisor? <laughs> yeah, so financial? I am talking about yeah, folks who, who are specifically advising plan sponsors, employers on their plans, right? So it includes consultants as well, but there's kind of like a wide range of practices there. Um, and so, you know, you need to support smaller businesses, larger businesses. Um, you know, a lot of the smaller plans are actually serviced by, you know, these advisors that you wouldn't necessarily put into the, I, I, you know, I don't know where the dividing line is, the definition of like a consultant versus an advisor. I've actually like read articles about it to try to figure it out. And I didn't really get <laughs> so a imagine a consumer. <laughs> well, but the consumer doesn't have to, worry about that because the consumer is just, you know, working at, you know, their, their employer. I was going to say Joe Schmo, but that seems really (laughs) dismissive. I didn't mean it like that. Like Acme, they're working at Acme Consulting and, you know, they have a plan available to them and somebody had to figure out what that plan looked like and they have nothing to do with that. And then, you know, they just get their choices. They get a default, you know, all that stuff. You know, I think, um, kind of closing the gap of saying, well, this is what you have available to you or what you might be defaulted in. And you might have like automatically have your contributions increase over time through auto escalation. You know, all these things may be happening with or without your real awareness of them. So, you know, then how do you get people actually to retirement and making decisions about what to do with what they've collected, not to mention what, whatever they may have outside of that plan, you know, for, our part, you know, we we do believe in you know providing our participants with as much information as possible through a digital experience, but then also backing that up with actual people. So, you know, when you want to annuitize, that is not like a three-click and you're done experience because you know this is a really important decision for you. So, you know, we take that very seriously. And you know, you talk to someone and they help help you um, you know, make sure that you understand what what you're doing, right? And so that the human element um, and some handholding is integral to how we approach things here. Um, But I think that that is also one of the questions about, you know, really kind of democratizing um, this annuity experience and, you know, what, what is it that people are going to be seeing and experiencing during their savings and when they're approaching retirement. And this is an evolving story, frankly, for everybody in, in the industry. We want it, we all want to do better. And how do you see it evolving? Let's say 10, 15 years from now. I, you know, I think it's going to be on all fronts, you know, um, some combination of, human components. Um, you know, some people like videos, some people like paper, you know, some some people, 
are still going to be very difficult to touch, but they are going to reach some point and they're going to say, oh, I need to retire now. I, I need some kind of engagement. The, there is no single formula, I think, to get through this pathway, right? And I got to tell you, um, people have a very complicated relationship with money in general. And so a lot of folks are very resistant to having the conversations in the first place. They may feel a lot of shame. There's a lot of negative emotion associated with saving, um, even though that's so important for you know building up towards retirement. And so, you know, you can see once you delve into that territory, gosh, just, there seems like an awful lot more that folks can do. When I say folks, I mean that the industry can do in order to help people through that and in order to empower them and make them feel like they actually have choices. That is a key element of providing, um, you know, the, the annuities as part of retirement. And when I say that this is not typically like, oh, there's annuities sort of sitting off to the side. But say it's a component of like a target date structure, whether that's in a fund or in you know some other format. So part of part of addressing that potential regret or potential like what have I done? You know, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. You know, kind of thing. So you're, you're if I'm hearing you correctly, why they're accumulating, I think reaching out, you know, reaching out to them. And make sure that they're making the right choices along the way, or there's certain milestones that they hit in their career rise that that need to be on track on. Or hey, now you really have to decide to really start considering making this annuity decision or not. Like being more at the forefront of that, as opposed to waiting till, hey, I'm going to retire tomorrow. Kind of question comes up is is the way to go. No, absolutely. And in my mind, really, the ideal is when folks are defaulted and they. Like I say, they don't particularly have any engagement, but then they get information. And, and by default, about, just for consumers that are listening, oh, by default, you mean someone gets a new job. Hey, we got these great benefits. It's with TIAA, you know, that kind of thing. We're going to, de- they default them into it. They default them they, into so, the plan. And also defaulting into a certain investment. Okay. So, sorry, I didn't mean to use the, get too far into the jargon. No, I'm it's fine. living too much in this world, but um you know, there you may automatically be enrolled or not, but for a lot of companies now, they're adopting auto enrollment. So once you start working, you are automatically putting some money into the plan, and it may be actually increasing from year to year, right? And so you might not actually really be aware that your plan is there and that you have these savings. Um, you know, I. There are some statistics around this that are are surprising to me, but not surprising when you think about that emotional component. But if you were a person who had a lot of anxiety about those money questions, right, and then you all of a sudden saw that you had the savings and that it was empowering you and giving you future optionality, and you were delighted to see this, like we need, that's what we need to really provide is that feeling of delight and saying, this is great. And you know what? I'm going to increase my contributions. I want to do more of this because I see this is going to help me be successful in the future. And I think I can give a little bit more for my future self. That to me is really what we want to do for your average worker. Are you getting close to, or are you in retirement? Well, investing during retirement is a little bit different than during your working years. Your investments are there to help you pay for retirement. And now is when they need to earn their keep. 
To make sure you're on the right track, download Retirement Researcher's 8 Tips to Becoming a Retirement Income Investor by heading over to retirementresearcher.com slash 8 tips. Again, get Retirement Researcher's 8 Tips to Becoming a Retirement Income Investor by going to retirementresearcher.com slash 8 tips. That's the number 8 tips. And that's where the industry is now is then trying to figure out the best way to provide that to provide a default that includes income is part of the ultimate retirement distribution. It is the question that's out there. Um, You know, I think that there are a lot of different philosophies about how to provide that and say levels of customization. Um, You know, I think the answer basically is, is yes. And yes, Um, we need to reach those who are not, going to be engaging. We need to reach those who want a little bit more um, information and are able to provide more inputs and get more of a customized solution along the way. And then there are going to be those who may have very complicated planning needs. I think that you're already familiar with them through your own business. You know, there are people who you know, are going to be thinking a lot more about taxes and about like other like real assets and what have you. Um, and you know, they, they're at a different level of what they need and they may be making completely different choices within the plan because they're getting other advice. And, you know, I think that's great. Like get whatever advice you can make the best choices you have with the tools available. And that's the challenge too, is when coming with those defaults is not knowing what else the individual has outside of the plan. Like I know if somebody looked at my asset allocation for the 403B, they would think I'm nuts, but I realize that's just one piece of a, a broader puzzle. So when you have those defaults, then it, there's a, well, I mean, inside, what's different between the retail market and then the the retirement plan market. I think you have to provide some sort of optionality around the annuity. You can default someone into they'll have protected lifetime income, but they still need to weigh a way to get out of it. Or is it okay to go ahead and include lifetime income from the the start? So we, we include it from the start and a lot of other designs include the ability to have lifetime income. But if the participant is going to you know land in it as part of a default then you know you have to have liquidity you have to have the ability to back out and you always have the choice at retirement so what i really like to focus on is the framework of saying well you know we're giving you this thing that works really well in accumulation and you know that's how we approach it that this improves your outcome for the time that you're holding it you reach retirement and then you're able to make whatever is the best decision for you is it annuitizing? Is it not annuitizing? Whatever that may be. So it's not just about saying we're giving you lifetime income that you have to take, you know, that you need to know this when you're 50 or 40 or whatever age, but they, it's fine. You can hold on to that decision until it, the, the, the time comes. And I think that that's a great way to think about it because, you know, you never know what life holds. No, you can never I, make I, decisions about like, you know, you don't know if they're going to be married to the same person by the time they retire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will say this, Tamako, just listening to some themes you've been talking about, uh, the sort of bespoke nature of, of retirement income planning. I, th- I think that's something that I've heard 
before. So it, it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited to hear this, you know, from a, from an industry giant, you know, simply because it, it seems to me that as opposed to doing, okay, you know, a company sponsored pension and, and there you go, you can have any color you want as long as it's green kind of thing to going all the way to defined contribution plans where, look, you're going to bear the risk to now coming full circle. And I mentioned it before, but now it's like, okay, you know what, we'll have an option for you that if you want to take those risks off the balance sheet, we'll, we'll bring in a financial services company that can do it for you. And if you don't want it all, that's fine. You can, you can decide how you want to slice it. But it's, it seems to me that we're actually getting to this bespoke nature of, of retirement income planning based on how we started preferences. And it's, you know, if you ask me five, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, what you're seeing is that you're seeing this ability to provide this flexible approach based on how the individual wants to wants to uh, source his or her ret- retirement income. I, I, I think that's where this is heading, but just based on the conversation that I'm hearing from you and from others recently, is that a correct uh, uh, assumption on my part? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to be really clear that, you know, when we talk about kind of packaging things up and including the annuity and you have the choice, you know, we're looking at it as you have the choice to annuitize like all of the annuity, part of the annuity, you can add more to it, like whatever it is that works for you. So I think sometimes people think very rigidly, but the reality is that we have to be responsible in how we're managing that entire package of that target date. Right. So, like, no, you know, like that but, all has to be done in a certain way. And then we're giving you optionality. And again, like the planning component, even if you're just figuring it out in that last couple months or hopefully not the last hour before you retire, but you never know with some folks, <laughs> but that at least, you know, you're you have choices to make and and choices that you wouldn't have otherwise had. And that's what's so exciting to me is to say we're not. Yeah, We're not taking exactly. something away from you. We're giving you something additional. And and if you frame that within the construct of how you even began this, where, you know, and, and I think Jason Fickner said this, you know, income is the outcome in retirement, you know, to a large extent. And then bringing in, uh, I think it was Blanchett whose study was, uh, you know, if you have contractual income, you kind of have a license to spend. You feel like you have a greater license to spend. So from a consumer education standpoint, going back to the, the TIAA uh, lab or uh, I forgot, institution or something along those lines, I mean, really, if you can trickle that message down to the consumers, it's, you know, what a time to be alive, right? It, it's a really good good option set that I, I think is being provided to consumers, you know, from the standpoint of from people that 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 don't have an access to a financial advisor, financial professional to even those that too, because now they're empowered to know that, Hey, this is how I want to source my retirement income. I, I think that's, I really do think that's fantastic as opposed to just, you know, spoon feeding folks, one color fits all, no matter what. I, I, I think it's, I think it's phenomenal. Agreed. And I think that's Wade? the thing people often misunderstand. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, Wade. <laughs> No, 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 no. Go ahead. (laughs) I think people make kind of assumptions once you throw the annuity into the mix and say, oh, well, now everything's like inflexible, locked up and all these things. It's like, no, no, no. No, It's actually the opposite. It's it's more choice, not less choice. 100%. And then if you you frame it how it really is, that look, this is an insurance option that, you know, that you may live a very long time effectively. You know, it makes perfect sense. 
Yeah, bundle of options. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Well, uh, I, I think we're running out of we're we're hitting our our forty minute mark here. Uh, any any other closing thoughts here, Wade? Or no, I mean it was great to have you on the show, Tamiko, and letting us know about what's going on in the world of TIAA, which. Uh, I think a lot of our listeners may directly or indirectly have in a relationship with that we know many educators and so forth whose <laughs> 403B plans are, are done with that way. So thank you for providing those insights today. And no, we'll, see, I... well, we'll see everyone next week on Retire with Style. <laughs> Tamago, you want to take us home? <laughs> thank you very much and have a wonderful day. All right. All right, everyone. Thanks again. And thank you for all the work you do, Tamago. Really, it's great. Wade and Alex are both principals in McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results. 